Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Transformational Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Hyman, coming to you live March 23rd, 2023, 10.52 p.m. It's seg- it's uh, segment number two of the weekly mailbag. Looking forward to uh, answering some of the questions we got this week on this week's episode. So thank you to everybody who uh, took time to submit questions. We actually ended up with a list of uh about 15 questions. I didn't have time to answer all 15, so I'm going to add them to the list. And then as we keep doing these episodes, uh, we'll continue to answer them as we go. So I do have time tonight. We'll answer four or five of them, uh, just depending on how long when did I get on some. Uh, It was really a good variety of questions. You know, some based around like college recruiting. We had some just fundamental stuff about the game, um, coaches reaching out about their first time coaching kids playing rec ball, um, you know, and some stuff about transitioning from infield to outfield. Those are the four questions I really like the most. So, again, thank you for everybody who uh, who submitted. We will continue to get to these um, more in depth as we continue to go on. So, please keep the questions coming. Um, we've got uh, a big week coming up for the Transformational Coaching Podcast. Uh, head coach of South Lawrence High School, Coach Kenny Gray, is coming on. Hopefully this weekend we're going to requ- record the episode. Um, so that's going to be huge. So I, you know, I'm really, really excited about having him on. I, I think we kind of teed it up really good for him between, you know, kind of me talking on the podcast and Trey coming on coach Allison coming on then coach Rhodes Dickerson coming on. So uh, I think it'd be a good way to shut down our South Lawrence high school coaches corner before we transition to some of the other schools in the PD and the surrounding areas um, to bring their coaches on. So <clears throat> really looking forward to that. You know, just coach gray for me has been instrumental in my development as a man, as a, as a coach, uh, so it's going to be really good to have him on. So everybody else who's listening can hear what he's all about and uh, hear him tell his story and, and and all that. So really fired up to have Coach on, and and I I got a feeling it'll be the most listened to episode. Coach Rhodes currently has the uh, has the record with uh, I think he has 690 views on his Coach's Corner segment. Um, so I don't know. I just got to, my money right now is on Coach Gray. I feel like he's going to blow it out the water. So uh, it's been a big week for the Bruins so far. Um, our JV Bruins pulled out a nice victory over Lake City today, 7-2. to two. We went down there and, and played. I got to give a shout out to Coach App um, because pristine field conditions today. Okay. I mean, just. I mean, my man's got the covered cage, which which looks good. Brand new bleachers. Um, field's clearly been uh, laser graded recently. The grass was cut, looking phenomenal. Uh, sweet, just nice drag job on the field when we showed up. Dugouts are in great condition, nice and clean. I mean, it was. I was real impressed. Uh, so to Coach App and staff over there, thanks for hosting the Bruins tonight. Um, Field looks phenomenal. They uh, built a new bullpen. I mean, just it was top-notch. I actually wasn't expecting any of that. I knew they had gotten new bleachers, but uh, was real impressed with with the other 
whatever the word is, aesthetics or aesthetic, whatever the word. I mean, just the whole experience was nice. So it's always fun going over there and playing them um, between Coach Eastup, Coach Hanna, Coach App. Um, you know, those guys, uh, they coach those kids up really well. Um, they haven't prepared to play, and it doesn't matter if they've got great, you know, great baseball players, average baseball players, not so good baseball players. They're always going to – fight hard uh they're always going to play the game the right way uh and i just have always had tremendous amount of respect for what they do over there at lake city high school uh in their baseball program so hats off to uh coach app and coach Eastup and and those guys and you know you guys represent everything great about coaching so keep it up guys coach app told me i needed to delete my episode about base running because we got picked off about six times a night from the lefty they had on the mound um, got thrown out at third base by about 15 feet on a botched steal attempt. Just honestly, was contemplating deleting that episode after that. So thanks, Coach App. I know I know we don't run it quite as good as you you run it over there as far as that base running goes. I know y'all are kind of the standard. So we got a long way way to go. But I hope uh, hope one day we'll be able to uh, to live up to your standard. So. Um, so that was that. JV Bruins pulled off a big win. Varsity Bruins went down to Myrtle Beach uh, on Tuesday. Always a pleasure to go down and uh, play Coach Tim Christie's team. He's a he's a real pro. Um, just have a tremendous amount of respect for him. <clears throat> and I, I just kind of started to know him a little bit more over the course of the last couple of years. And I can – some things happened after the game where he came over and talked to us, talked to one of our players and stuff. And he's just a guy with extremely high character. And you can tell he, he coaches for all the right reasons. And it shows in the way his players play the game. Um, so just, again, another hats off to him. Uh, just for the man that he is, the coach that he is, the way he runs his program. He's another one who represents everything great about the coaching profession. So um, I hope, I hope he ain't going anywhere anytime soon, and, and I hope Myrtle Beach stays in our region because I always enjoy – number one, they have a phenomenal facility, so I always love going down there. They've got one of the best mounds in the world to pitch off of, um, and then he always keeps his grass just top-notch. Their outfield plays a little slower than most outfields because I don't, I don't know if he keeps it a little thicker out there or what, but it's always well manicured and – I'm a freaking sucker for like a nice baseball field. So <clears throat> it's just good facility. And then, you know, he just does a phenomenal job over there. So again, hats off to coach Tim Christie. We're looking forward to hosting them tomorrow night at the Bruins den, six thirty first pitch. If you don't have anything going on, come out and check us out. Cause it's going to be, it's going to be a good game. We're going to toss all the weeks up on the mound. He's going to be looking to go to four and O on the year. Uh, no, he's going to give us a competitive game. Uh, he's off to a really hot start, and he, again, he's another uncommitted left-handed pitcher who's looking for a home next year. So, uh, would love to talk to anybody who's looking for for a left-handed arm about the weeks, because uh, he's he's going to make a great addition to somebody's somebody's staff next year. So, but uh, <clears throat> the win on Tuesday night got us to three and zero in region play. If we can get through tomorrow night and get to four and zero, we're driving head on into a massive, massive series next week against North Myrtle Beach. So uh, we'll worry about that when we get there, but it's going to be a uh, 
will be a heavyweight battle for sure. So a lot of excitement in our baseball program right now. I wanted to also give a, uh, before we get into the content here, I want to give a shout out. And I've talked about this guy on the podcast before, but Coach Sean Armstrong, strength coach at South Lawrence High School. Um, they won a state championship last week uh, at the strength meet. Just huge testament to what he's all about and what his kids are all about and, and just what he's done for the strength program at South Lawrence. Um, I threw a little message out on Facebook tonight just basically telling him, you know, thank you for his contributions to not just our baseball program because what he's done in terms of making our guys bigger, faster, stronger, uh, the things he's done for them mentally by kind of taking them through, you know, their their strength journey and what that does to you mentally as far as the, the way it builds you up and at moments breaks you down but keeps you fighting to come back for more. Um, it's been instrumental in, instrumental for us. And uh, I can tell you while, you know, we've had the talent to be really successful for a long time. I think the thing that helped us take the next step was, you know, the commitment that he's gotten from our players in their strength journey because of his enthusiasm and because of his passion and and his love for those kids. So um, I told him, I said, man, I hope we can keep you forever. But I know one day, you know, I mean – I hope he'll be at South Lawrence forever, but what I do know is there's things much bigger, much bigger than high school strength coach being a high school strength coach for him. Um, you just you meet certain people and you just know like they're destined for just huge things. He's one of those guys, so uh, just real thankful that you know if it isn't South Lawrence for the rest of his career, we've been we've been blessed, but <clears throat> just real thankful that we we got to share some time with them um obviously hoping that 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 time lasts a lot longer <laughs> not trying to throw any of that out there i'm just saying like you just when you meet people that are best in the business you know that you know high school is probably not the peak for somebody like that you know that you know i can, I can i'll put it to you this way and this is – I actually talked with somebody about this this week. A place like Francis Marion, for instance, and, and this is no shot on I – I know nothing about their strength program. I don't know if they even have one. But if you're a university within 100 miles of here, uh, that dude can change your athletics program. And just, just throwing that out there. Whatever the dollar amount is – he's worth it because the benefits your kids are going to get from in your athletic program, not, not just men's sport, but women's sport, not just baseball, basketball, football, but field hockey, lacrosse, soccer, tennis, swimming, badminton, freaking track and field, whatever. If you got athletes who will buy in, that dude's going to help them find a new, a new peak. Guarantee it. Don't come and try to steal him from us, but I'm just saying, like, that dude's worth whatever the dollar amount is. Um, so, Coach Armstrong, thank you again for everything you've done for us. Uh, we obviously appreciate you. And one other thing I'll say about him, 
he supports his sport. He is, he supports his kids too. Uh, I think I can guarantee you when we play a home a home baseball game, I'm going to be able to look into the right over in the right field, and him and his wife Morgan are going to be which I call on. She's up. Well, I haven't called on her for a while because I changed jobs, but I'm hopeful that I'm actually going to be calling on her again in like the end of May. But um, I can guarantee that we're going to see him, his wife, his kids, probably going to see uh, Coach Marlowe, other football coaches. I mean, the amount of support we've gotten from other sports in the spring has been nice, but I can guarantee you Coach, uh, Coach Armstrong is going to be there, even if he's there by himself, because he supports his kids. Um, because the same way we view our players as our kids, those are our players, you know, he views all his athletes, male, female, soccer, tennis, doesn't matter, baseball. He gets out and supports them. So hats off to Coach Armstrong for the job he's done. Um, I just want to give him a shout-out again. I know we talked about him last week on the on the mailbag briefly, but um, I think from then to now they won that state championship in, in strength. And I guess it, it's not called weightlifting. I think it's called, like, the strength championships or something like that. But kudos to him. Kudos to his kids as well. So, and that was actually his second one this year because he took a group of uh, a all female class up there and they, I think they won a state championship in the fall. So kudos to him. So, all right. So let's jump into the weekly mailbag. Again, I said I had four questions to answer. I might, if I have time, I'll answer the fifth one. So uh, <clears throat> we'll start with, uh, Let's see which one we're going to start with. Okay, we'll start with this one. My son is a high school sophomore. I got this one on Twitter. So a, a dad sent this, a local guy sent this. My son is a high school sophomore, and I think he's wanting to play in college. What does he need, what does he need to do to get seen? Okay, and this is a popular thing. Okay, the whole getting seen idea is... trying to think about a way to say this it's not offensive people talk about getting seen like it's just like you go sign up for something all of a sudden you get seen like it's part of the reason why we have nine new showcase baseball now um it's because for some reason people think that like if you're involved in showcase you get seen okay and i think getting seen is like it's a process more than anything. I think it's easy for us to say, well, how do I get seen? But more or less, like, what are you doing to take care of yourself every day to make sure that when somebody does finally see you, they get, you check all the boxes for them, right? Um, so I think from a getting seen standpoint, like if you want to pay money and get seen, I think one of the most important things that you should do in this state if you're, I don't know where I need to look and see where this sun is, but if you're in the state of South Carolina, um, the number one thing you should do is you should like here coming up soon. Uh, there's a great website in our state called the dot It's run by a guy named Austin Alexander, Corey Welch, uh, just some really great guys, great baseball guys in this state. Um, they have events. There's, I think there's two open events a year. I know there's one coming up in June. Go to it. 
think it's about $275, something like that. Um, but that's the best $275 that you'll spend on your kid from a getting seen standpoint um, this year, I promise. Because if your kid is good enough, if they've got some of the tools to play college baseball, those guys will identify it. The hundreds of scouts that reach out to them monthly, weekly, biweekly, whatever, uh, to touch base with, to touch base on the talent in the state, those guys are really, I mean, they need to know who your kid is. And um, as part of the Diamond Prospects, there's rankings that come along with that. There's, you know, projections that come along with that. They cover high school sports uh, or high school baseball games in our state. So, you want to be identified by them. And the only way to really do that to begin with is go to their open events. Uh, you go that, you go to those. If, if you have, if, if you're a projectable player with an opportunity, they look at you and think that you have an opportunity to play at the next level level, you know, they'll rank you out. They'll put you on watch lists. Um, they'll pass your name along to college scouts, you know, and stuff like that. So, that would be one of the first things you need to do. The second thing is there's another great company in this state called, um, well, I, I think it's more of a, a national, a national thing, but it's uh, called Prep Baseball Report. And and I probably I don't know if I'm supposed to be like advertising these both together, but you know where the Diamond Prospects is more of like a got scouts looking at you projecting you know, guys who have really good baseball backgrounds, who've been around the game a long time, who know what, you know, big-time college baseball talent looks like, that's what Diamond Prospects is. So PBR, while they do a lot of that, um, they're a lot more on the analytics side. So, like, if you go to their PBR Pro Days, like we have one here in South Carolina or in Florence every year, and it's, you know, PD Regional Scout Day. And, you know, at that event, you normally have a, a pro scout there. You have PBR, you have uh, the local colleges, you have uh, post one there checking out guys. Um, PBR, you get a profile with them when you go to one of their scout days. But it keep what it does is it keeps track of your analytics over year over year, event over event. So, I always tell our kids it's good to go to that. Want go to those once a year. Um, if you want to go multiple times, you can. But for coaches that, for college coaches that look at the you know check different boxes from a velocity standpoint or an exit velo standpoint or you know some of the various things that PBR measures. If you go to their events, coaches can look at that and see progress year over year. Um, so, you know, those are two things I think, number one, you should be investing in those. You should do them. Now, I'm not crapping on PBR, okay, but I am going to – I do have a bone to pick with PBR because Aiden Palmer, in my opinion, is the best left, left-handed pitcher in the state of South Carolina. It's not even close. It's arguable. I mean, you could argue he's the best pitcher in the state of South Carolina. Um, I won't get in that argument. I'm biased, but you know, PBR has him ranked about you know the number 40, 2023 player in 
the state, disgraceful. Okay, now, that's a kid who goes to PBR events every year. So I'm not harshing on PBR. I'm just saying, like, you know, haven't seen a PBR guy at a game. Seen Diamond Prospects guys at plenty of our games. Um, And I know, you know, you can't be everywhere, but I would think that, you know, the number one team in 4A and Aiden Palmer, you know, who's – arguably the best left-handed pitcher in the state might would, you know, make it down for a game. Not harshing. This is no knock on Sammy Esposito and the guys who run that. I'm just saying. Um, that's my only beef I got with you guys, but I still pay my $99 a year. I'm still a paying member. Still check the site weekly. Uh, but, yeah, that's that. So, uh, I would start with those two, okay? The next thing is less about getting seen and just more about what are you doing to make sure when you do do see somebody get seen by somebody that you check the right boxes coach tim christie said this the other day he said all these college guys they have certain boxes that they like guys to check and nobody knows what the what the boxes are right only the guys within that program know what the boxes are that they're looking that they're looking to be checked um this height this weight this exit velo this position, but hits from this side of the plate, you know, whatever. And he's exactly right about that because we don't really know. Um, you know, there's kids that we've coached in the past. So you look at it and you say, dude, this dude's definitely a big time college baseball player and nobody's interested. Then you have other kids that, you know, you're like, eh, you know, he's probably not big time, but then the big time guys come after him or the pro guys come after him. You're like, wow, but you know, what did they see that I didn't see or whatever. So, um, but one thing is consistent, you know, whether if you're going to advance and play at the next level, and that's you better love the weight room, man. You absolutely better love the weight room. Um, you better love to work hard. You better love swinging, hitting hundreds of thousands of balls off the tee. You better enjoy throwing programs if you're a pitcher. You better enjoy working on your craft all the time. A lot of people say they want to play college baseball. Um but they're the same people who skip winter workouts. They're the same guys who aren't in the weight room every week. Um, if you're a sophomore in high school and you're not lifting on your own or part of a strength program, you're probably not going to be able to play college baseball. Like, you should be doing that now to be bigger, faster, stronger. Um, you know, if you're not spending time outside of practice working on your game, College baseball is probably not going to be your thing because everybody's all all in on playing till they get there and they realize what it takes. And I and I use myself as an example. Okay, you can look at my path in college baseball. You can look at Coach Rose Rhodes Dickerson's path in college baseball. Uh, we were both arguably the best, one of the top two, top three players on every team we ever played on in high school. Um. We were a big fish in a small pond. You get to college, especially if you go the JUCO route, and I think when I got there my freshman year, I was like one of 60 people on the roster. And I think, you know, by the time the fall was over, maybe they only had 40 players left on the roster or something like that. Then your red shirts go into effect and all that. But the thing I realized and the thing that ultimately drove me out of the game was I, looked, I remember looking around saying – 
dude, if there's 59 people here, I'm 59 on the list. Like all these dudes are better than me. And on top of them being better than me, they want it more than I want it. They work harder than I do. They show up early, get extra swings in. They stay late, get extra swings in. They're working with the position coach to get better at these areas. I'm like, dude, I can't wait to get out of practice. Okay. Um, And that's on top of the commitment those other guys had to the weight room that I didn't have. So everybody wants to be seen. Uh, and, and I'm not harshing on the person who sent me this text or sent me this uh, message. This is just more anybody who thinks that your son or even your daughter, like from a from a college softball standpoint. I my cousin's wife, uh, Bryce Garen, uh, she's the head softball coach at Flodar, and um, it's actually a really interesting story, like how she got there, but. She took over as the interim coach last year. And and I don't know Bryce that well, but I'm going to try to get her on the podcast because whenever she took over, I think what she, I th- she strikes me as the type who's really big on culture and her girls play hard for her. Um, But I kind of got sidetracked here. But anyways, you know, she put a message out one time that kind of showed like a, it was a message that a girl, a recruit had sent her an email. She had sent her one time. And I think she had seen this girl that weekend, but the girl and the girl followed up with like an email saying like, Hey, you know, we talk, blah, blah, blah. I'm interested in coming to play for you. Like blah, 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 all this other stuff. So a lot of people want to be seen, but what else are you doing to check the boxes? But then what are you doing to promote yourself? Like, are you having conversations with your coaches about the schools that you're interested in? Because, you know, for us, like we're in constant communication with college coaches, like some of our kids that are, you know, want to play that we know can play. We go ahead and proactively reach out, try to figure out if there's a need, promote our kids to them, tell them the good, tell them the bad and, and let the chips fall where they may. But you know, one thing you can help yourself with as a potential college player is, are you proactively reaching out? And I was using Bryce as an example because, you know, this, and I don't know if this girl plays for her or not now, but I do know that it meant something to her that somebody was interested to come play for her program. Um, My guess is if she's not playing for, she's probably playing college softball somewhere. But anyways, don't always wait to be seen, right? Reach out. Let somebody know, hey, I'm interested. I love what you do. I love what y'all do with your program. I'm all about it. Like, you know, I'm a 2020-whatever infielder, um, you know. And then to my point earlier about, okay, well, if that college coach, that college coach is then probably going to reach out to some people he knows. So, he might reach out to somebody like Corey Welch or reach out to somebody like Austin Alexander or Derek Urquhart or me or Coach Gray or Coach Rhodes, you know, whoever to find out, hey, I got a message from this kid. Like, what do you, what can you tell me about him? That's a real thing. It happens all the time. Um, so, you know, if you're saw you're for to uh to the guy who sent me this message, like if he's wanting to play in college, that's great. Um, but he needs to be going ahead and instilling that work ethic and and doing the little things right. So when he does get seen, uh, he checks all those boxes for those coaches. And then the second thing is, um, you know, he needs to be having community. He needs to be communicating with his high school coaches if he's got travel coaches. He needs to be communicating with them about you know his desire to play, 
what he's thinking about, where he's interested in going. And uh, always keep the line of communications open. Coach Scott, Coach Terrence Scott, who coaches with us, he talks about this all the time. Um, and this is actually a point Coach Tim Christie was making the other day. Um, you know, if somebody drives 12 hours to come see you, are you willing to go? You know, would you be willing to go there? That's a serious question you have to ask yourself. Or are you a local person? Like, are you, do you really want to play college baseball or do you want to play college baseball or college softball or college basketball or whatever on your terms? Right. Are you willing to go halfway across the country to fulfill a dream or are you just willing to do it if it's convenient for you? So I got kind of long winded. I know I kind of got away from the original question there um, with my answer, but, Take care of the little things, fall in love with the weight room, get the extra reps, have the conversations with your coaches about what your interest is, where you like, where where you're interested in going. And your, your coaches are going to be honest with you about whether or not that's feasible. I mean, I had a kid two years ago, coach, I want to go play at Clemson. Okay. And and at the time the kid, you know, college baseball wasn't on the table for him at the time, much less going to play at a, you know, big time D one. But we gave him a path forward on some things we, we would really need to improve on for him to become a college baseball player. And then we would let the chips fall where they may. And, you know, he's still not there yet, but um, he's much closer than he was. So those are things that you have to do. Forget about the, what do I have to do to get seen? How much money do I have to spend to be on a showcase team for people to say, you know, for people to, you know, go play in front of a bunch of college coaches. A lot of that stuff's a scam and a sham. So, that's not the only way to get seen. All right, next question. All right, and this one, uh, I've actually talked about this one on Twitter before, and ooh, this is going to stir up some stuff. But, okay, so this player, this is actually a player that sent this. Uh, let's see, plays down in the, well, I won't say the school, but he plays down in the low country. Appears to be a high school player, 2025. Okay, all right, what is a good two-strike approach look like okay i'll preface this by saying to this player a good two-strike approach is whatever your coach currently is telling you that two-strike approach should look like but i'll give you all my opinion on this and and there's differing schools of fly or there's different differing schools of thought on this okay so two-strike approach is absolutely vital um if you're a coach you need to have one not all two-strike approaches are the same. Not all are created equal, okay? Last year, we were firm believers in spreading out, uh, getting on the plate, choking up. We've shifted that a little bit this year to spreading out, hands close to the body, still getting on the plate. Uh, I got absolutely crucified on Twitter when I talked about choking up because, you know, people are like, well, why would you choke up? It doesn't matter, Okay. Um, good two-strike approach is going to differ depending on who you ask. I think it's less about what it looks like and more about the mindset. At the end of the day, like, yes, there's some things that you have to do a little bit different, you know, to help you with back control and, uh, and all, and all that. But at the end of the day, it's all about approach. It's all about a shift in the, in the mindset. And it starts with, and I've, I've talked about this in the past, it starts with being the best competitor on the field. And you're like, well, that, you know, what? 
I mean, at the end of the day, like you need to be looking at that dude standing 60 feet, six inches from you and saying, dude, if you come anywhere around this plate, I'm going to make you throw another pitch. And I'm going to make you do that until you make a mistake. And high school pitchers, they make mistakes all the time. Okay. You got to be the best competitor on the field in that moment with two strikes. That's step number one. Step number two is you do have to, I mean, you do have to make some type of physical change. For some, and again, some people that's spreading out, some people that's choking up, some people that's getting on the plate, some people that's getting your hands close to the body, some people it's, you know, trying to hit the top half of the ball. I, I don't know. It's less about that. Again, it's less about that and it's more about the mindset. Okay. And the mindset for me has to be best competitor on the field. You come anywhere around the plate, I'm going to make you throw another pitch until you make a mistake. At which point, because I have good back control, because I'm not trying to, you know, go yah yah on an O2 hanger, you know, I'm just trying to find a lot of barrel and make you play defense. I'm going to be successful more times than I'm not. Okay. And uh, that's really what it comes down to. I coach first base. You hear me say a lot of times, uh, hey, have the right approach here, make them play defense. And uh, I think when you take that mindset, best competitor on the field, and I'm going to make them play defense on this play, um, you're going to win more than you lose. You know, we've got a guy on our team, Chandler Thompson. Uh, and I think, you know, Hunter Matthews actually goes into this. Uh, Hunter Matthews is a senior for us, phenomenal player. He actually goes into this, uh, this too. So those guys, you can always tell the shift that they make when they get two strikes. Chandler Thompson gets so far on the plate that, like, he's been hit by pitch 11 times already this year, and we're only 10 games into the season. Um, just incredible the way that he crowds the plate and just makes people make mistakes. The amount of two-strike two hits he has this year, I think he's, you know, got about five or six hits with two strikes. Um, not just, like, rinky-dink hits either. I mean, like, Good hits and all, normally comes from him battling, battling, battling. Mistake, find a find a find a barrel, and uh, so it's been impressive to watch. Hunter Matthews does a lot of the same thing. He makes a clear mechanical shift, and it looks like he's just trying to hit it. You know, hit a line drive right at the second baseman, and uh, he's a tough out. He competes, but I think the thing again, the thing that they do really well is you can see the physical adjustment, but you also can see the way they compete um, in those moments. So that's what it looks like for me. The small fundamental shift for uh, or the small mechanical shift for me is spread out, get on the plate, get the hands close to the body. Uh, we ain't trying to go yah-yah. We're trying to make, make them play defense, and I'm going to be the best competitor on the field with two strikes. Definitely a better competitor than the dude standing 60 feet, six inches from me. Okay. So that's that. Great question. Um, but again, as a player, your two strikes, your two strike approach really should be, you know, probably whatever your coach is asking you. Cause if he's coaching high school baseball, he knows what he's talking about. Um, but that's that. All right. So next question. I love these questions. This came from a local guy. I just I just met here recently. I'm coaching a rec baseball team, as you know. What should I be focusing on with kids who are playing kid pitch for the first time? Good question. Okay, so at all levels of rec baseball, I think 
um, number one, we got to be teaching the fundamentals, right? You don't have a lot of time uh, with your kids. I think when I was coaching rec ball, we got like an hour to to work with them, maybe an hour and a half at the most. And uh, it's really hard to get everything done that you need to do. But I think the things you got to be good at, they they don't really change that much as you progress through the game. We tell our kids all the time, like at, at the varsity level and the JV level, like our goal defensively is to make all the routine plays and put ourselves in a position to make the 50-50 plays, right? So for rec ball purposes, we're not really worried about the 50-50 play, okay? If you make it, great. If you don't, okay, not a big deal. But we should be starting at the earliest levels teaching them the fundamentals of basic fielding, basic throwing, uh, basic hitting, basic pitching, basic catching, stuff like that. Um, you know, fielding routine ground balls, mixing some backhands, mixing some forehands. Those are obviously, you know, important things that as they progress through the game, they should be really good at. Um, proper throwing mechanics, you know, that's important. I think as you progress and get a little bit older, and this is something we've implemented at the varsity level, we spend a lot of time working on arm slot, okay? We don't ever change somebody's arm slot. Whatever their natural arm slot is, let them be natural. Let them be an athlete. But uh, a guy named Coach Mongero, Trent Mongero, listened to him talk at the South Carolina Baseball Coaches Association Convention. You can follow him on Twitter at, at Coach Mongero, M-O-N-G-E-R-O. He's real big on different arm slots and and making your players throw from the different clock angles. Okay, so if you think about your throwing arm as a clock, you know, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock would be kind of shoulder height, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. Most of your throws are going to be between 2 and 5. Like, if you think about the different situation, like our second baseman, he loves throwing from the 5 slot. He can throw from higher, but, like, if he had his choice, he'd throw from the five slot every time. So the five slot would be down, low arm angle. If your arm's a clock, that's down at five. Um, you know, shortstop, he throws from the two slot. You got stuff called the V slot. I mean, there's a lot of – we when we play catch every day, we work on all the uh, our, all the arm slots. Well, not all of them, but we, you know, we do something from the three slot. We do something from the five slot. We do stuff like that. So just as kids are at this young age, I know growing up there was this thing that was like, no, don't throw sidearm. Don't do, man, let those kids experiment. Let them throw from down low. Let them throw from three slot, one slot, two slot, four slot. I mean, let them, let them do it. Let them experiment. Rag ball, especially time, it's time to do that. Let them have fun. When you're coaching rec ball, make sure fun is like the top of what you're doing. Have fun, learn how to compete. The score does matter. Um, obviously, you know, if it didn't, there wouldn't be a scoreboard, but keep it fun. Dude, I'm not a huge fan of this, but somebody said I'm wrong for feeling this way. Like, dude, if you want to put your left handed, you want to put your left handed guy at shortstop, throw him, throw him at shortstop and let him play left handed shortstop. If you want to have a left handed catcher, do it. I used to get in this bad habit, like, of thinking, because I always was in a high school mindset, like, dude, I'm not putting a left-hander anywhere on the field except for first base or the outfield or pitcher. Rec ball, don't stuff a kid in right field just because he's left-handed, man. Let the kid play first base. 
Let the kid catch if he wants to. Experiment. He's not ever going to do that any other point in his life, but, and Mookie Betts is really big on this. Mookie Betts is an outfielder, but when Mookie Betts is taking him, is taking pregame, he goes and takes balls at every position on the field. Third, short, second, first. He does that because the athletic moves that you learn as an infielder help you as an outfielder. Uh, you know, you go glove side turn. You know, there's a video of him going, standing at second base, fielding the ball to his left, glove side turn, throwing it to second. Okay, but then there's a game footage of him playing right field, sprinting to the, the right field foul line, glove side, turning, fielding the ball, turning glove side, hosing a dude at second base. You know, by getting on different parts of the field – and working at different spots, you can learn some of those athletic moves. So, um, you know, things like that are important. I got kind of off track here. Sorry. Uh, if you're an, if your kid outfield play, that's my thing. Okay, I know it's hard to do this at the rec level. Teach them good footwork first. People are like you got to be able to catch the ball. Yeah, you do have to be able to catch the ball. But like, really, fielding's like a playing outfield. It's like a three step process. So you got and it works from the ground up. Um, you got to have good feet, okay? Because with good feet, you can put yourself in the play on those first three steps. And the first three steps are a combination of the right read, the right jump, and the right effort on those first three steps. You're in or out of it on the first three steps. So that should be, you should have little principles like that that you're teaching kids. Um, you know, our number one job as outfielders is to limit guys to 90 feet or less. Yeah, if a guy's got a single, let's make sure he just stays at a single and not turns it into a double because of something we did. Um, you know, something that's a, just an important principle that kids at every age group should understand is the only bad throw in baseball is the overthrow, right? Something very simple. You know, so when we start talking about rec ball, like what are some like cues we can give them? Like that's one of them. Like if you got an outfielder, hey, What's well, the only bad throw in baseball? The overthrow. You know, keep the throw low. Keep the throw low. It keeps guys to 90 feet or less. Um, more air you start putting on the ball, the more bad things that can happen. Ball starts getting away from us a little bit, stuff like that. So um, that's just a good fundamental cue. Pitchers, rec ball pitchers who are playing kid pitch for the first time, cut the curve balls out. It infuriates me when I see, like, nine-year-olds up there flipping deuces in there. Like, what are we doing? Okay. Fastball, fastball, fastball. Command, 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 proper pitching mechanics. That's the only thing that should matter in kid pitch. Okay. If you're a dad or a coach who's letting your nine-year-old or ten-year-old flip flip cheeseburgers in there, flip those curveballs in there, dude, you're cruising for some serious, just bad stuff to happen. Um, it's one thing, like, until they were, like, 12 years old, I actually, up until they were 12, we didn't let them throw curveballs. It was fastballs and change-ups and all command and all good mechanics. Um, that's just what I believe. Uh, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but, you know, I think when you start adding too much of their repertoire early on, uh, we lose – we lose uh, focus of what's important, and that's command over 
the fastball. You got to be able to throw the fastball for a strike in any count as you go through the uh, as you go through the game. Um, you know, and then when you get to the you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 year old, that's obviously different, you know. Yeah, throw you, you know, that's you throw the pitch that you need to throw in that situation to get to get that guy out. But um that's what we need to do from a coach pitch standpoint. Just point just fastball, 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 good mechanics, focus on command. Um, if you got obviously you have catchers if it's coach pitch or kid pitch, um, the earlier we can teach them that it's okay to block baseballs with our chest, dropping our knees down, using our chest protector, and tucking our chin, the better, right? Um, you're doing your kids a really big service if you can go ahead and teach them that it's okay uh, to drop their knees, use their chest protector, chuck, tuck their chin, and block baseballs. Um I would value that over everything. Um, teach them that it's okay to sprint down the base. You know, make a game out of it. Teach them that it's okay to sprint down the first baseline when there's nobody on base to back up the throw at first. That doesn't happen enough in today's game. Um, you know, we get kids that show up as 13 and 14 year olds at th- 13 and 14 year olds at our middle school program and. You know, nobody on base, ground balls hit. They're just, like, sitting on their knees back there watching the play happen. Like, what are we doing? You know? That should be something that, that they're teaching early on a rec ball. Okay? Because it's it's fun. Kids, look, I got all this gear on, and I get to try to beat this base runner down the baseline. And teach that. That's awesome. You know? Teach those kids how to back up bases. Like, outfielders, you know, teach them how to move their feet pre-pitch. You know, make it fun for them. Hey, how many times can you do this in a game? Okay, if we throw 150 pitches, can you, you know, walk into the pitch 150 times? You know, when the ball's hit in play, can you go back this base up as fast as you can? Make that stuff cool again. Make it fun. Those kids love tasks, right? Give them tasks. Hey, grandma said the shortstop, I want you to sprint from right field to where the bullpen is, uh, the first base bullpen is, you know? Your catcher, I want you to sprint to where the coach's box is. You know, if the ball's hit at shortstop left field, I want you to sprint as fast as you can to back that up. You know, make it cool. Talk about it. You'd be amazed at how much those like younger kids love to do stuff like because they're just full of energy. So that probably didn't answer your question, but or completely. That probably was like way too much stuff, anyways, for a rec ball practice. But just take a couple pieces of that and find a way to implement it. Uh, from a hitting standpoint, the number one thing you can do, teach them that it's okay to get out. Okay, teach them what productive outs are. It's so vital. It's not not done enough in today's game. Um, so many kids show up to us, and they've never been taught that it's okay to line out to the shortstop. It's okay to roll one over to the shortstop with a runner on fir- a runner on third base in less than two outs. You got an RBI. I guess what that is is quality at bat. It's okay to lay a bunt down. It's okay to hit a sack fly. It's okay to ground into a fielder's choice and and, and score a run on it. We got to be teaching, like especially at the rec levels, the earlier that we can, the value of quality at bats. Because when we do that, we change what success looks like for our hitters. And in a game where they go 0 for 4, 
they can still walk back to they can still walk to the car and feel good about their performance because yeah they went over four but they had three out of four quality at bats so they hit seven fifty for the day. Um, that's one thing that would I just think would really help change our our young players. So, um, I think I covered everything there. A little infield, little outfield, little catching, little pitching, base running. Make it fun for them to give max effort. Okay. You cut on TV and you watch professional. Not everybody. You watch a lot of professionals play baseball. They big league it down the line. Big league it on fly balls. And I get it. They're getting paid millions of dollars to do that. Nobody wants their thirty-seven million dollar a year first baseman to uh, tear his hamstring on a ground out to the shortstop. I got it. But our kids are growing up watching that stuff, and it's like that's what normal looks like to them. So. Anytime we can put some emphasis on max effort, base running, you know, just getting down the line, teaching them the the value of like making a turn. I know kid pitch for the first time, they're not taking leads and all that. So that's not really all that important then. But, um, you know, as they progress through the game, like spending time on teaching them the proper way to get a lead, teaching them, you know, what to look for when they're, when a pitcher's, you know, in the in the in the um, in the stretch, and they're trying to steal it back. Like, what are they looking for? Teach them cadence, teach them proper base running technique, and all that stuff. So, those are the type of things that need to be done a little bit earlier in the game. So, by the time they get to the high school level, they're ready to they're ready to roll. So, hopefully, that answered the question. I feel like I got a little too in depth on that one. If not, uh, if I did, send me a send me a text. I'll be more or not a text, a Twitter message. I'll be more than happy to uh, send you some stuff that. I think would help you guys. All right. uh, Final question. I kind of talked about this a little bit, but this one was talking about, do you have any advice for an infielder who's transitioning to the outfield? So I actually forgot that this was a question when I was talking about uh, outfield play a few minutes ago. Um, Yes, I do. So I talked about Mookie Betts a minute ago and talked about the moves that, you know, the fact that he walks around the infield and takes balls during pregame BP uh, from all the different positions because it forces him to, like, make different moves that he then will use in the outfield. So um, if you're an infielder, you can play outfield because you're already making the same moves. I mean, you think about um, playing second base. You got a runner on first, a ball hit to your left the way you're going to go left deep in the hole, glove side turn quick fire to second base for to start a double play like that's the same move you would make in the outfield if a ball if you're playing right field and the ball's hit down the right field line you sprint you're going to pick it up turn glove side throw it to the cutoff man um a slow roller to the third baseman you're coming in you know the way you get down and look through you know get your head down see the ball in stay low cut it loose at the first base you know, the way you attack that baseball is the same way you're going to attack the ball if you're playing center field and there's a runner on second and a ground ball is hit to you, right? Uh, If you're playing – if you're a catcher, okay, and that pop-up's hit, that foul foul ball's hit straight up in the air, the one that you turn your back to, you know, you turn your back to the pitcher's mound and you let that ball kind of start coming to you and then you kind of work through it. 
Same thing you do in the outfield on a ball that's hit to you in the outfield in the air, right? Um, so you already have all the moves down. Now it's just a matter of like transitioning your mindset and like being focused on the really the, the core principles of outfield play. And I, I, I wish I would have thought about this. I got on a tangent earlier and started talking about outfield play, so I'm about to repeat myself. But, um, you know, for me, outfield play starts with great feet. So, like, as an outfield coach um, or as a former outfielder, like, you're going to have to learn – you're going to have to learn how to love just the same repetitive drills, like, every day. Uh, drop step drills. Read and react drills. Um, you know, misread, misread drop step drills. Uh, taking fly balls off the, fun, off the fungo, fly balls off the machine. I mean, that, that's what it takes. Uh, line drives, you know, catching balls, you know, those balls in the gap to your left, balls balls in the gap to your right. I mean, that's it, – it gets boring, just being real. Like, it's going it, to – it's boring. I feel like infield's a little more exciting than outfield. Um, but when an outfielder really has to make a play, it's normally a high leverage play. It's a big play that impacts the game. So – I do think outfield's more exciting from that standpoint, but the pre- preparation part of outfield play, it's not it's not as sexy as infield play. Um, but good outfield play starts with your feet, okay? Then it transitions to understanding that, you know, your first three steps are the most important steps because they put you in the play or out of the play, right? And the first three steps, I already said this, I know, but I got to repeat it because got to answer the question. Your first three steps are a combination of the right effort, okay, the right jump, and the right read. Okay, you've got to get all three of those right to have to have a chance. Um, the effort's got to be there on the first three steps. It's got to be in the right direction, and your initial read has to be pretty close to to being correct to have a chance on the tough balls. Um, that's important. Obviously, the principle of limiting guys to 90 feet or less is important. I mean, that's that's really what your job is as an outfielder, okay? Um, you know, you, yeah, but what's your job as an outfielder? You're saying, well, to catch the ball. Well, yeah, but it's a better way of saying that is to limit a guy to 90 feet or less because if you were supposed to catch it, guess what you did? If you caught it, you limited him to zero feet, which is what? 90 feet or less. Um, if you understand that, principle then you start understanding why it's the drills that you do every day to perfect your craft are so important because everything's about keeping that guy at first base stopping him from having to hustle double keeping him at second base on a for sure double so he doesn't turn into a triple um you know most of the plays in the outfield on the ground are high leverage plays they're guy on second or guy on first and you're playing two bags ahead and the ball's going to be coming with pace it's going to be bouncing it's going to be taking weird hops it's it's going to be high leverage. You're going to field it cleanly, have the proper footwork, get the ball out, get it on the line, not overthrow it, throw it right through a cut guy. Make sure you factored in win, spin, and everything else. You know, everybody's ball looks different coming out of their hand. You know, a lot of infielders they cut across the ball, so they're going to have that big slice when they throw versus pulling straight down through it and having that heavy bag spin ball. Um, yeah, that's something you have to work with. Like our second baseman who throws from the five slot, if he was standing in center field and tried to throw it, you know, home plate, he's going to have to start that thing at the first base dugout. <laughs> I mean, 
because he's he's going to put massive side spin on that. Um, yes, yeah, so those are just some things that are vital. Just understanding, you know, high point in the baseball. Um, that's important. You know, as you start trying to catch the ball lower with uh, with the web up, bad things start happening. Um, that's a little bit different than a lot of a lot of what you do in the the infield. I know a lot of guys kind of let that ball get in on them some on a fly on little fly balls. You want to high point everything on the bait from a outfield standpoint. You're going to be working through the baseball, not working away from it. Because again, any throw you make is going to be high leverage. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be a big time play somewhere. So um, that's obviously important. And then understand the concept that about. You know, the only bad throw in, in baseball is the overthrow. You know, you overthrow from right field to the plate. And, you know, yeah, you may have stopped the guy from third from scoring, but you just let the guy who was going to be stuck at first base advance to second because you had an overthrow. Guess what that does? It takes us out of the double play. Uh, it takes the force off at second if there's two outs. I mean, it's just a lot of – it's a mindset thing that people look at and say, hey, as an outfielder, I just have to catch the ball. No, you don't. It's a lot more complicated than that because you're a vital – I mean, understanding backing up bags, backing up plays. I mean, you're vital to making sure um, that we limit guys to one bag or stop a guy from even getting on base. And then, you know, outfielders, you know, you're not – you're not necessarily – you might go a whole game without having a ball hit to you, right? But on every – so that means if there's 150 pitches thrown in that game, like you're going to have a pre-pitch routine and you're going to go through it 150 times and not have a ball hit to you. But you got to be ready because on the 151st pitch, it might be the one play that's the difference in the game. So when we start talking about that transition from infield to outfield, those, those are the big things. Um, it gets kind of lonely out there in outfield. Uh, whereas in the infield, you know, somebody has a strikeout and be throwing it around. You know, you got somebody five, you know, twenty feet from you to talk to every once in a while, or you know, you might hold a guy on here or bounce in and out, holding guy at second or whatever. I mean, ain't none of that in the outfield. So a lot of it's a mindset sh- mindset shift and and just a a commitment to just a commitment to doing things right every pitch. It's kind of like the old thing about just making sure you're doing everything right when nobody's watching. I mean, that's really what outfield play comes down to because somebody's not going to be able to be coaching you on every single pitch when you're playing outfield because you're, you know, 375 feet away. So there's a lot of uh, self uh, – there's a lot of accountability of the self going on in the outfield. So anyways, hopefully that answered that question. If not, again – Shoot me another, uh, shoot me a Twitter message, and we'll make sure we uh, we get it answered a little more in depth. So, and I think, you know, and I think I'm going to do my coach's guide to outfield play here coming up soon because I haven't done that yet. I said I was going to do it. I think I'm going to do it, and then uh, we'll just add that to the outfield series. But, anyways, all right. So we've been on for about an hour. So I think that's we're going to go ahead and wrap the weekly mailbag up this week. Um, another great episode. Uh, a lot of great questions, and I'm starting to build the questions up now. So 
I'll be able to, I'm, I need to have like a two hour episode and answer every single question, but I don't know if everybody would listen for two hours. So we'll see. But, um, anyways, I'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up. Um, again, number one goal with this, leaving the world better than we found it. I don't know if weekly mailbag helps do that. Um, trying to, I'm kind of trying to change my format a little bit. I want to start doing a kind of like an article slash podcast on Mondays, do a weekly mailbag session sometime during the week. And I think I'm going to start adding one, like basically just do two articles in a podcast, two podcasts every week, an article that goes with the podcast, do that two times uh, and then do a weekly mailbag. So for a total of three podcasts a week, um, you know, obviously you'll be able to find everything at coachhyman.com. If you haven't subscribed to the Substack, coachhyman.substack.com, that's the newsletter. Uh, and then obviously you can listen to the podcast if you don't like to read stuff right here on Spotify or Apple Podcast or Google Podcast or Amazon Pod, wherever you want to listen. It's all, it's all over the place. But um, I've said it a hundred times, our job here, our goal here is to leave the world better than we found it. And I can't do that without the support of all of you. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for all the people who continue to listen, subscribe, like comment, uh, provide questions for the podcast and, and everything you do. Um, I think we're over 6,000 listens now, uh, which is incredible. We've got one episode that has 630 views on it or listens. I just, I had no idea that that would even be a thing when we started and, uh, it's just, it's like, what, how does 6,000 people want to have, why 6,000 people, most of who don't even know me, like are listening to the things we're talking about on here. It's crazy. So I just, again, thank you for everything guys. Um, you know, if there's something I'm not hitting on that y'all want to hear about, let me know. Okay. It's, uh, covered a lot of topics. I think this is episode 17, maybe episode 18. Can't quite remember. Um, covered a lot of topics. So if I'm sure there's some things I'm not thinking about. So would love to he- get some feedback on, you know, some bigger real world topics that uh, y'all would like to hear about. Because, uh, again, we do, I do this for the players, do this for the parents, the coaches, uh, whoever, uh, who get something from this. So, uh, I want to make sure the content's relevant to you. So if you don't have any, if you're a local person and you don't have anything going on tomorrow night, 630 at the Bruins Den, Dylan Weagle be on the mound going against Coach Tim Christie's team. Uh, real scrappy group. So uh, hopefully we'll see you out. If there's anything that I can do for you, let me know. Questions, concerns, emotional outbursts, shoot me a message. Uh, and until next time, Be cool, and as always, go Bruins. See ya.